Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot oh. and finds the net! Talk Sport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. We have another managerial casualty in the WSL this season as Tottenham sack Rianne Skinner after a ninth league defeat in a row. The belief in the team every time we turn up, we're expecting to get something out of a game, which is, which is really good. It's what we need. Um, but we know we're in a battle and we know that we'll keep working towards that and we're going to keep doing everything we can to get a result. Meanwhile, it's advantage Chelsea in the title race. Chelsea are two points clear at the top of the uh, WSL and they play the game less than the two Manchester clubs. Finished here, Chelsea won Manchester United nil. But Mark Skinner is unhappy with the officiating. These are decisions that will make and break where you finish in the table. And we say it balances out. I'm, well, I'm hopeful that we see it. But the reality is, in that game today, we should have had two penalties. And Manchester City bag a late winner to stay third. A clearance only as far as Kelly. A little high boot from her at Shaw who turns. And that might well be the winner. 89 minutes played. And Bunny Shaw could well have given her team all three points here at Broadfield Stadium. We'll round up the rest of the WSL action as well as the championship plus focus on the Lionesses' legacy. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only ne- only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. I'm Mary Earps. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Well, 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 rip up the script, start again. Another manager has gone. And I have former Spurs goalkeeper Chloe Morgan and Times football writer Molly Hudson with me to dissect everything, including that breaking news. How are you doing, Chloe? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me back on. Always. Molly Hudson, busy, busy woman. I'm starting to think we're a curse. The show might be a curse. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? Uh, We were going to kick off the show with the title race, but it has just been announced. Tottenham boss Rianne Skinner has been sacked after yesterday's 2-1 defeat to Liverpool. Spurs' ninth WSL defeat in a row. Here is the statement sent out by Tottenham Hotspur. The club can today announce that women's first team head coach Rianne Skinner has been relieved of her duties. Managing director Andy Rogers said since joining us in 20. 
2020. Rianne has played an integral role in our development in the women's game, both on and off the field. She's carried out her duties with the utmost professionalism and attention to detail, and we would like to thank her for everything she's done for us over the course of her tenure. Uh, assistant head coach Vicky Jepson will take the team for Wednesday's home fixture against Leicester City. Just a small game, that one. Uh, Chloe, what was your reaction when you saw this news? I think I was a little bit surprised. I mean, I really thought they'd give it to the end of the season, at least. Um, but, I mean, the stats kind of speak for themselves. I mean, they've obviously lost a lot of games now, uh, and that's not good enough for, us, for an outfit like Spurs. I mean, they've been in the Championship now for, for three years, and their, their results haven't been great. They've not been pushing towards the top end of the table. They've always been sitting around the, the sort of mid, and, the, and now they're creeping down towards the bottom. So, yeah, not good enough. I mean, but, but I also feel sorry for, you know, someone like England who's just stepped into the, the, the fold in, in January. And, um, you know, she's done her best. They're getting the firepower up top, but defensively, they're just so poor still. I mean, conceding, I think, two goals uh, over over eight of those games that they've lost, is, is that's just... Just shocking. But yeah, they need to get rid of the leaks first. Yeah, they finished fifth last season, so actually not that bad. Mm. Um, bearing in mind they'd been promoted, I think they'd finished eighth the season before that, um, 11th before Rianne came in. They're now in 10th, just two points above the relegation places, and it's just three wins in 14 games, Molly, which is not the kind of form. I know Chloe is saying that potentially should have been given more time but how much more time can you give when you're floating and and flirting with relegation and teams like Leicester are picking up points yeah I think that's probably the the thing that has pushed Tottenham to act that they really are in that relegation battle now I think you know nine defeats sounds like a lot but let's be honest with the fact there's only one relegation place in the Women's Super League you can probably get away with five or six in a row nine you're really right back into it and I guess with that game on Wednesday, if, if Leicester win that, they go above them in the table. And that that's just unthinkable for a club the size of Tottenham to potentially be going down to the championship. I think it's just Tottenham just felt like they couldn't take that risk at this point. Yeah, I wonder when they actually told Rianne Skinner that she was losing her job because she did speak to the media after that 2-1 defeat to Liverpool yesterday and said despite the loss, she's defiant that the players still have belief in turning their form around. Of course, like you have to be disappointed, otherwise you don't care, do you? You know, so clearly we're disappointed with the result, and you know, half time in particular, players are very focused on what we need to do to improve and the way that we can improve that, and you know, their contributions are huge because they're driving things on the on the pitch as well, which is great for the team, and you can see the commitment, the work ethic. There's no. You know, there's fight within every single player that's coming on the pitch and that's something that we just have to hold on to and we just have to keep doing and the belief in the team every time we turn up we're expecting to get something out of a game which is which is really good, it's what we need um, but we know we're in a battle and we know that we'll keep working towards that and we're going to keep doing everything we can to get a result. The we is no longer we, I'm afraid, for Rianne Skinner, parted company um, with Tottenham. And it was a come-from-behind win for Liverpool because Spurs actually took the lead, Rosella Ryan putting them in front. A little bit of a, a fortunate equaliser, perhaps, for, for Liverpool. Um, Keris Harrop's clearance ricocheting off of uh, Emma Coivisto and uh, looping over the keeper into the net. The winner was better, though, uh, Missy Bocairns with a classy finish but you know they had the second half to to, to turn things around didn't they Chloe and, and then they, they just weren't capable of it and when you talk about Bethany England coming in and perhaps not being given enough 
enough time. She, she has scored goals since she's since she's come in. Yeah, I think she looked really promising at the start. Um, you know, as of January, I think it, it seemed to be a bit of a, a change in um, you know the kind of dynamic and that, the energy that she was bringing to the squad. I mean, obviously, you know, England's one of these players that she was she got so much attention, so much kind of you know awareness around Spurs again. So I don't think people were that excited about them. And you know, for her, she wants to come in. She wants to make a big impact. She wants to sort of prove herself. You know, leading up to to the World Cup this this summer. But you know, Spurs just haven't capitalised on that. And I don't think she's getting the deliveries that she really needs. And and whilst Diane, obviously, you know, she she had that goal that sort of set them off on the right path. They've, they've done that a couple of times now, gone ahead and then and then lost and squandered that that lead because their second half performances just haven't been good enough. So. Yeah, it's just um, it, it's just a disappointing Spurs really this season. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and I don't know what it is that's going on behind the scenes. But um, Rianne Skinner actually signed a contract extension last April until twenty twenty four. Everton and uh, Racing Louisville apparently approached her um, uh, to see if she was available. She's got pedigree in the game, obviously been part of the England setup previously. What next for her, Molly? I think it's difficult, and I think. In a way, it kind of shows how how quickly football turns around. We were only talking just before we came on air about the the eight nil victory over over Leicester City. Tottenham were on top of the world at that point. Um, yeah, over mm. Brighton, of course. Um, and I think that's where it just changes so quickly. And I think Brown will probably need a bit of time to get over this because obviously, look, she's invested a lot of time into Tottenham, into that project. Obviously, as you can hear from that audio, they're very invested in it. I think it will take time, but you know what? We we were only saying yesterday when when we were at the Chelsea game. There's very few sort of like managers to come in when you think about who might take over Ryan Skinner because the women's Super League is so new. There's no big Sam. There's no big Alan kind Kerbyshire. of personality that <laughs> has been used to relegation battles to bring in, and I think that's something that the women's Super League is still. I you know what. Willie Kirk is almost the closest you can get to that and he's at Leicester City. So I think I think it will be interesting to see where Tottenham go from here and whether or not perhaps Vicky Jepson is, is perfectly placed as somebody that obviously used to be Liverpool manager, whether she may stay until the end of the season just to kind of steady that ship. But it really does all depend on how that game goes on Wednesday, really. that Almost Tottenham and Leicester's entire season rests on that result. It's absolutely massive, that game. Um, and I don't think you can, you can not place as much importance as we are placing on it, to be honest, because... Leicester seem to be a little bit more and we'll, we'll go through their their draw obviously with, with Everton later on but you know they have a bit of momentum with them and that's certainly something that Spurs do not have. Yeah I think um, I mean coming after the Christmas break I think it, it did Leicester the world of good and I think you know Willie Kirk I think has obviously done wonders with the squad I mean you know they're, they're picking up points now against squads that they weren't picking up points against and I know they've had a bit of a had a bit of a run obviously against the, the sort of top four teams and they've, they've not you know absolutely not been able to sort of get some points off of them but you know I think um, Leicester at the moment they're battling and they've always battled ever since they've come up from the championship they've always been in and around this relegation battle but they've been so consistent in in avoiding it so I do think there's a sort of um, there's there's something about me that thinks they're safe well it could be silly and it could be naive given where they're positioned at the moment but I think they might just scrape scrape another season in WSL I feel like we've got lots more twists and turns uh, to come Um, of course last week Brighton and Yen Shua parted ways, Molly. Um, it's kind of no surprise that the three bottom teams are the three teams to have changed their manager this season. In Brighton's case, twice, obviously. Yen Shua replaced Hope Powell after that 8 0 
um, uh, Spurs win over Brighton. Leicester's Lydia Bedford was replaced by Willie Kirk in, in November. Teams are realising that dropping down from the WSL is not an option. There's real jeopardy now. And I mean, we talk about Beth England going to Tottenham. You've just spent £250,000 on a player that, that in six months' time could be playing in a part-time division. You know, that that's not what you want, is it, for, for, for a big club? And now we, we talk about all of those clubs, Tottenham, Brighton, Leicester, they're all big, financially-backed men's Premier League clubs. So, you know, there is massive competition there now. And there is genuine jeopardy. And I think the, the Brighton situation was was one that maybe we could see coming. I think we said on the show when you when you hire a manager from a different league, especially a manager that's been used to winning in that league, it's a big jarring move to come to the Women's Super League, which we've never experienced before, and get right into a relegation battle. And I think that really showed it just didn't work out from what I understand. The players didn't particularly appreciate his methods either. And I think... Now they feel as though they're a little bit more stable. Look, we're only talking about a week, but that week where they're maybe a bit more stable under Amy Merricks, it could make a huge bit of difference going into the tail end of the season. Yeah, obviously they lost um, 3-1 midweek to um, Chelsea and then they've lost at the weekend uh, a late, late defeat to, to Manchester City, but they feel a little bit more stable under Amy Merricks. What's the situation with her? Yeah, I think a, a lot of people that I've spoken to rate her quite highly and they were quite surprised that Brighton maybe did look elsewhere when, when Hope Powell left. And I think maybe it was a case of Brighton wanting to show their sort of quality and and support behind the women's team, I suppose, and trying to go out there and get a big name. And look, it didn't pay off. And I think the fact that Amy has st- stayed around, she stuck around, clearly the players know her well. She is, she's stable, and that is a big thing in this period. And I think, look, of course, they've lost two games under her, but majority of teams in this league are going to lose to Chelsea and Manchester City in the form that they're in at the moment. So I think you can't read too much into that. And I think a lot of people will be quite excited to see how, assuming that Amy does now get a run with that team, to, to see how they can get on. Yeah, and we'll see how Vicky Jepson gets on as well uh, going forward. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Uh, Faker Ruthers, Chloe Morgan and Molly Hudson with you. Next, we're going to go through all of the weekend's WSL action. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Ruthers. She's around the goalkeeper and has rolled it in. On TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others. Times football writer Molly Hudson is alongside me, as is former Spurs goalkeeper Chloe Morgan. Uh, so important results at the top and bottom of the table, as we've seen. Here's how the weekend's action sounded. Chelsea won, Manchester United nil, brilliant goal by Sam Kerr. There was a long ball from Lauren James. Kerr running down the right-hand channel inside the penalty area as Mary Earps came out, was neither in goal or really off her line, and she was lobbed brilliantly by the Australian. Just opened up for a moment, but she didn't fancy the shot. Maybe Kavisto will, Kavisto pulls it back. It's a to score. Lift one into the area. It's a really good free kick. Well, interestingly... Had it been left, Everton might be looking at that breakthrough goal. Fitter on the charge with Hansen. It's got Nobbs in the centre of the six-yard box, and that is an expert finish from Jordan Nobbs to double the lead for Aston Villa. 
her fourth goal in the WSL since joining from Arsenal in January. A clearance only as far as Kelly. A little high boot from her. It's Shaw who turns. And that might well be the winner. 89 minutes played. And Bunny Shaw could well have given her team all three points here at Broadfield Stadium. Blackstedius. Williamson, 4-0. And a goal to go with the assist for Arsenal's new midfielder. Well, plenty of goals across the weekend and maybe we thought that there would be plenty of goals at King's Meadow, but it was just the one that decided the top of the table clash between Chelsea and Manchester United. Chelsea returned to the summit thanks to a first half goal from Sam Kerr. Gorgeous ball over the top from Lauren James. You were there, Molly. Was it a fair result? I think there's two ways to look at this game. I think there's purely on the balance of play. Yes, I think it was a fair result. I think Chelsea deserved it. They worked hard. They played on the counter, which we've seen them do time and time again through some Kerr. Very hard to stop. Fantastic ball from Lauren James. Um, in general play, Manchester United didn't do enough, I don't think. Um, I think they could have done a lot more. I don't think Katie Zellum had a great game. I think they lost a bit in that midfield area which then meant they didn't get enough service to Alessia Russo, which is obviously, you know, massive for them in terms of what they want to do. But we have to talk about the elephant in the room, the refereeing decisions. For me, legitimately, Manchester United could have had two penalties in that game. I think one of them was a little bit more marginal, but the the, the second one um, where where Jess Carter uh, clattered into Onabachie, pretty much Stonewall, which I think is the exact word Mark Skinner used after the game. Um, so you can see the frustration, but uh, it's difficult because it's hard not to be frustrated if you're Manchester United in that game because of the how big that would have been for their season. But on the other hand, we know that there's, sadly, mistakes getting made throughout the division. So mm. it, it's not some big conspiracy against Manchester United. As much as right now, or when we spoke to Mark Skinner last night, it must have felt like it was. Well, let's hear from the Manchester United boss, shall we? Because uh, he definitely felt his side were on the wrong side of some decisions. They're two big decisions, and that's the reality in big games. We've come here, we've had 63% possession, we've dominated the ball, we've moved Chelsea into only being able to counter-attack, really, and yet we've come away having got into the box twice, And they're two penalties, and that's the reality. Two penalties in a game like this are massive. And when I look back over the balance of the last few games, um, you know, Chelsea get a goal that's offside the other day. So these are decisions that will make and break where you finish in the table. And we say it balances out. Well, I'm hopeful that we see it. But the reality is, in that game today, we should have had two penalties. Equally, though, you could argue, playing devil's advocate, Chloe, as I like to at times, that if you've got over 60% possession, you should also perhaps be scoring from open play and not just relying on penalties. 100%. I mean, they didn't capitalise on a lot of chances. um, And this was a game where they were going to get very few chances. Despite having that level of possession, the chances were far and few between um, because of how defensively, how well they set up. So I think, uh, you know, there was a big tune chance there. And obviously, you know, Mary, at the other end of the pitch, you've got Mary Earps having to pull out some absolute worldy saves uh, in one-on-one situations where where the um, the Man United back line have been picked apart. So... 
yeah, I think Skinner's got he's got every right to be disappointed. I think yeah, there was a couple of questionable referee decisions there, but Man United also had a couple of extra percentages. I mean, they couldn't have approached this game at a better time uh, for a weakened Chelsea squad. I mean, you just had the midweek fixture, which obviously gets all the training schedule out of sorts. Chelsea have just come off the back of a defeat of the Conti Cup final last weekend. That's probably playing on their minds. Big sickness bug going through the camp Big as well. sickness bug. I mean, they're missing Kankovic, Cuthbert, uh, No Harder, Ryson, Kirby, Svitkova. So I think, you know, this was the perfect time for Man United to capitalise on a weakened Chelsea. Not a weak Chelsea, but a weakened one. Uh, and they failed to do that. Uh, and that's even worse when you've got so much of the possession. So. And that's probably where a lot of his frustration uh, comes out. Let's hear from uh, Chelsea boss Emma Hayes. She was proud of her players' display. Felt the team could have won the game by even more. That's our third game in a week. It's three points. We've done it. We've had injury. We've had an illness in the squad. To do that, to perform like that, is exactly what I've been saying every week about why the squad matters and that players have come into the team and delivered. Uh, we knew we were going to be without the ball. We had to be structured defensively, defensively and we was. And I think we could have won by more. Chelsea's to lose now, isn't it, Molly? Still with a game in hand, still have to play Manchester City, Arsenal and Aston Villa? I think it is, but I do think you can't sleep on Manchester City just with the form that they're in at the moment. Everything's just falling for them. And we saw this last season. They have this ability to go on fantastic runs. They 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 struggle in periods, but then they just find a way to to really string these wins together. And I think... Of all the teams right now, they probably look the best. Uh, look, uh, Chloe mentioned it there. Chelsea have got various injuries, illnesses. Understandably, they're not fully fit and firing, but they are there to be shot at. And I think, you know, I think it's women's football weekend that that Chelsea Manchester City game, and I think that'll that'll really be be one to watch in this title race because, you know, one of those teams are going to lose points there, and then suddenly Arsenal are right back into it. And it genuinely is a, a four way race. Not just for the title, but you know we have we can't forget how important those top three Champions League places are as well. Yeah, absolutely vital. And Manchester City, uh, uh, their title hopes are still alive thanks to Bunny Shaw's 89th minute winner. She opened the scoring, lovely back heel as well. Before Elizabeth Turland equalised for Brighton, right-footed loftish shot looked like drop points for City despite dominating the game. But the league's top scorer popped up with the winner lurking in the box as she was, and Brighton didn't quite clear their lines, did they? So uh, it finished Brighton one Man. Manchester City to Chloe and as uh, Chloe uh, as Molly just said Chloe <laughs> uh, I feel like I need an E on the end of my name um, I do but not in that way uh, um, Manchester City just found a way didn't they and, and Brighton played well they're so jammy I think um, it just seemed like one of those games that Man City for all the efforts for all the intent for all the desire were just not going to put that goal away um, and they deserved it don't get me wrong they absolutely deserved it but it just looked like one of those fixtures that just wasn't for for, for whatever reason was not going to be sitting there their way but I mean sure has been phenomenal for them throughout the season and when they need to deliver and I think she has always been there and she's always been uh, very consistent in that respect so to pick up that that you know that last minute winner for them was uh, was just quintessential sure and I think sure now I might have got my numbers wrong here but I think that's her 25th goal in all competitions and I think 
That's the most a Manchester City women's player has ever got in a season. Wow. That's how good she's been. Like, if you and think it's not of even prime. The, end of the season, it's March. You think of like prime Nikita Paris when she was at City, mm. was banging the goals in. But yeah, Shaw has just been absolutely unplayable. Yeah, absolutely incredible performance from her. What's the latest with Gareth Taylor's contract, Mom? Well, it's still dragging on. In the, in the words of Gareth Taylor, it's still dragging on. Um, <laughs> I think it's been going since May. I think he's he's keen to clearly publicly saying it's dragging on clearly mm. keen to get a resolution there obviously as he said it has to be right for him has to be right for the club but you know what there's a massive difference between Manchester City finishing that season fourth and finishing that season winning the title and it genuinely could go either way so you wonder if the reason it's dragging on is because the whole season the future of Gareth Taylor Probably depends on where they finish. Mm, absolutely. Uh, right, in terms of the title race, four teams, as you say. Arsenal 4, Reading nil. Arsenal's confidence really high after last week's Conti Cup victory. Four different goal scorers. Penalty from Kim Little. Frieda Marnham with the second just before the break. She had her cross turned in by Reading defender Emma McCandy, the other side of half-time. And then Leah Williamson sealed the deal, her first goal for Arsenal in almost a year. So, Arsenal stay in touch with United and City the game in hand but there's still three points outside the top three this is what uh, their manager Jonas Eidevel had to say about it it's just three points but I like the way we've been playing the whole week I think we've improved and developed and today was some of the best attacking football I've seen from us hard to disagree Chloe 100% I think Arsenal needed this I think obviously off the back of you know the big win at the weekend they've got their first bit of silverware they've kind of set their stall out now I think and I think it wasn't just a you know a comfortable win it was a very very impressive dominant performance I mean they had 71% of the, the possession and they it, I mean Reading didn't have a chance uh, so clinical massive attack and display and I think um, yeah they have had a bit of a brief slump in some of the WSL fixtures obviously losing to Man City drew to West Ham drew to Chelsea but um, yeah I think they've been buoyed by, by the recent results and the win then over Liverpool as well in the, the midweek fixture um, but yeah, and also sort of getting over. I mean, we keep talking about Mead and Meadmar obviously being you know big losses to them, but it's, it's old news now. They're getting on with it. They're mm. sort of you know find they're problem solving their way around that. And now you've got some of the other names, you know, Marnham, Blackstinius, uh, McCabe. Really, I mean, not they weren't stepping up before, but really stepping up to to make sure that actually that attacking line is still is still incredibly strong. And Leah Williamson actually said sometimes you just can't put your finger on what it is that's wrong, but sometimes you just need it to click. Yep, and it is clicking. Exactly. <laughs> um, is it too late though, Molly? I think the one thing you can say about the title race this time around and the WSL as a whole is that clubs are dropping points more than you expect them to and it might not be losing games, it might just be drawing games and when it's that tight up there, I think it makes all the difference and I think, that, as Chloe said, the manner of this result was a big one because you look at the team... I think Stina Blackstenius had, had been victim to this bug that <laughs> we've all got um, <laughs> going around at the moment. And, you know, they started this game without a recognised striker at all in that 11 and still come away with it scoring four goals. I think that's a mark of an Arsenal side that are really confident at the moment. Yeah, Reading just three points above the relegation place, though. Big game for them next in the league after their FA Cup quarter final uh, with, with Chelsea. Um, do you think Reading, I mean, God, 
we say this every week, don't we? Because I thought Reading were gone, actually, a few weeks ago, but then they picked up that win the other week and, and all things change, Chloe. Yeah, I think Reading are one of those very robust squads. They just about kind of pull it out of the bag last minute. But, I, you know, we were just speaking to, to Molly then just during the break and I was saying, well, you know, I do think Leicester are going to... I think they're pretty safe. I, I don't know why I think that. It's just a gut feeling. Um, but Reading, I think, also, you know, they're down there. They've always been, you know, sort of mid-tablers and now they're sort of edging down. And I do... I do have some big concerns about them, but they've got to pick up some points. I don't think it's going to take too many points to scrape away, but um, but yeah, they're, they're, it's vital for them now. Yeah, it really is. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Faker others, former Spurs goalkeeper Chloe Morgan and Molly Hudson from The Times with you. And next, we're going to wrap up the final couple of games and take a look at what's going on at Crystal Palace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. With me, Faker Others, former Spurs goalkeeper Chloe Morgan and Molly Hudson from The Times. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you just need to go ahead and download it today. Right, two more WSL matches uh, to get through. West Ham 1, Aston Villa 2. Unbeaten start to 2023 continues for Carla Ward's side. Rachel Daly and Jordan Nobbs with the goals before Vivian Asai pulled one back with 11 minutes to go. Um, Villa have won four and drawn two since January. That is pretty impressive, Molly Hudson. They've they've been fantastic and I said to you earlier on, I feel like we say the same thing every week. These players that they're signing are stepping up and it just shows the value of having a really good January transfer window because, you know, you see Jordan Nobbs, she gets on the score sheet here. We're seeing exactly what we know about Jordan box to box midfielder actually when she's got the confidence to get in the box she'll get you goals as well and I think 
that's fantastic, not just for Villa, but for England as well, because let's be honest, we're really lacking in that area depth-wise. And I think, look, if it wasn't for a few points dropped early in the season, they'd be right up there, you know, in that Champions League race. They're not they're not far off now. So I think, you know, it's a real credit to, to Carla Ward and, and what they're doing there to try and... Look, there's a little bit of a gap still between the top four and Villa, but it's closing and, and they're doing it by, by pulling off wins like this. Yeah, it's going to be vital, isn't it, to see what they can do and consolidate that um, in the summer. West Ham, though, after a great start to the season, winless in five. Are you worried about them, Chloe? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, West Ham are always, they, they seem promising, they seem like a promising team and then I think they sort of dip off and then everyone gets a little bit kind of concerned about where they're heading. Um, but yeah, I don't think they've really found consistent form this season. Um, and yeah, they're sort of, it's always a kind of West Ham, Aston Villa. They're normally on the same playing field. But Aston Villa, I think like Molly was saying, have absolutely nailed it in terms of the January transfer window. And I think that's where maybe West Ham have fallen short. I mean, you know, some of the signings that Aston Villa are making, I mean, Nobbs in particular, I mean, she's also one of these players who are vi- fighting for, you know, the World Cup and, you know, trying to get out there and getting that exposure in front of Serena. So, you know, and she's doing absolute wonders. I just feel like she's really found her form there after sort of, you know, lacking that, I suppose, little bit for, for Arsenal and not getting the game time there so yeah West Ham yeah a bit bit meh about West Ham this bit season yeah. yeah yeah you can say that about a few teams this season can't you a bit meh um, Everton perhaps one of them mm. um, Leicester were a definite meh at the beginning of the, uh, they were having a meh at the beginning of the season um, but they got a goal a straw against Everton at King Power Stadium uh, on Sunday just a point from safety now won two of their last four games mm. which is Pretty impressive, actually, bearing in mind where they were at the start of the season, completely cut adrift. We were talking about it being inevitable that they were going down. And as you said earlier on, Chloe, you know, you're convinced they're staying up now. But, you know, what is it that Willie Kirk has managed to do, Molly, to this to this Leicester side that makes them keep a clean sheet like this against a side that are inconsistent in themselves in, in, in Everton? I think there's a real relief that's like a combination of the two words that I was going to say. Belief and resilience. No, <laughs> Relief. Nice. I like that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, Whatever sure. it is that he's created, he's got it going on. Um, it's working. And I think what what's so impressive is we actually saw in the first half of the season, there were so many games where you thought, this is going to be the week that Leicester get a draw. And then there was just a silly error or something at the end of a game. And they just lost the points. Whereas this time, under Willie Kirk, even if they're not winning games... They're keeping the scoreboard ticking. They're just getting those points. And I think this point in particular, we talked about Tottenham earlier on. This point means that if they beat Tottenham on Wednesday, they go above them. And that's massive. To You know, they'll, they'll be above both Brighton and Tottenham. Can you imagine that when we were talking about Leicester a, a few weeks ago even, not even months ago? So I think this is a massive point because... The margins are so small down there. Mm. And we, we were looking in the break. All of the bottom teams have still got each other to play. Absolutely anything can happen. And a point like that could be massive against an Everton team that actually have been pretty good this season under Brian Sorensen. They seem to be improving. They seem to be on an upward trajectory. They've got a bit of stability. And they've been really good. So I think actually it's a it's a really impressive point from Leicester. That's what I'm quite enjoying about this season. Top and bottom is exciting and you can't call it, which is exactly what we want. Same in the Championship, although it's looking a little bit more settled now in the Championship than it was because Bristol City 
Six points clear at the top of the table after a 3-0 win over Durham. London City Lioness is still in second. Uh, they won 3-1 at home to Lewis. Charlton came from two goals down to draw two all at Birmingham. Both sides missing the chance to go third there. Uh, Sunderland beat bottom side Coventry 3-0. I think they're down pretty much, aren't they? While uh, Southampton stay third after being held to a goalless draw by Blackburn Rovers. At Sheffield United, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk is going to be absolutely devastated because she couldn't follow up on last week's win because she's not on the pod this week. <laughs> Chloe Morgan is here, but Chloe Morgan doesn't play football anymore, so she can't <laughs> take mine and yours energy, Molly, and translate it onto the pitch to a win. Um, they were beaten 1-0 at home uh, to Crystal Palace. The championship this season, though, Chloe, is it, it's has been a real delight to watch. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a great league at the moment because you just you can't call the games. I think last year you can kind of get a sense that, you know, I mean, Liverpool, they were storming away with it. I mean, you know, even though Bristol are, you know, looking like very strong contenders for, for the WSL, this season you know you've still got London City Lionesses pushing for that as well and also you know teams are coming a cropper against some of the, the lower um, league teams as well I mean Coventry opposed a little bit of a threat in times but like you said I think now they, they were a threat and now they've become they're back down to, to the bottom again um, but yeah, it's been exciting because you just you can't call how some of these games are going to go. No, you really can't. And we are going to discuss what's been going on at, at, at Palace in a second. But just an odd to a couple of record attendances in the FA Women's National League. MK Dons of the Southern Premier Division had a crowd of 1,186 watch their 3-1 win over Crawley Wasps. Well, almost 3,000 fans watched Division 1 South West tabletoppers Exeter City beat Porter's Head Town 6-0. They're coming in. I don't look one day we won't have to talk about attendances and I celebrate that day for sure but when we're going further down the pyramid and getting numbers like that that makes me very happy um now then you might have seen Molly's article in the times regarding Crystal Palace women's uh, Crystal Palace women suspending their manager Dean Davenport alongside two other members of staff pending an investigation into their conduct um, with respect to Chloe because she works at Crystal Palace uh, and this is an ongoing investigation so she can't comment anyway uh, Molly and I are just going to be chatting about this just in case you wonder uh, Molly how did all this come about? Look as you say it's, a, it's an ongoing investigation so there's things that can be said and things that can't be said I think as I understand it Crystal Palace have absolutely done the right thing and I'm not just saying that because Chloe sat here I promise um, there, you know, whenever something like this comes around and there's a, a complaint made of some sort you have to do the right thing and suspend whoever is involved in that to try and get to the bottom of what's happened obviously that's what Crystal Palace have done um, uh, I, I believe that happened earlier in the week and then obviously we saw um, on Sunday they played Sheffield United at Bramwell Lane and Dean and the other two members of staff weren't at the game. Um, so I think, look, I think it's it's one of those. And I'm, I know I know we spoke about this. It's like, how how did nobody hear about this? But that's kind of where we're at in women's football at the minute. I think in the second tier, kind of a lot of things maybe don't get picked up on. Should we be at that point though? Because this is a side who are mainly professional, according to club chairman Steve Parrish. He's also, by the way part of the working group mapping out the future business model for the WSL and Women's Championship, but no mention on any official channels. So what's what's the reason for that? The, the truth is, I think, you probably don't want to draw negative attention to yourself unless somebody asks. And if I hadn't have asked, if I hadn't have written the story, 
and that's sort of not me blowing my own trumpet. It could have been any journalist <laughs> that yeah, could have been any journalist that asked. But because maybe we're we're all very busy, as, as we often say, trying to cover you know twelve women's super league clubs. Obviously, there are things going on in the second division that you don't have time to be across. And you know we're not at games every week in the championship, so we don't necessarily have that face time with managers. So you know if it was a Crystal Palace team going into the FA Cup and, you know, they were playing a big team and we were there, obviously we would have asked the question, well, where's Dean? But that's not something that we do because we wasn't at the game. So I think... Enough of us, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think in in that sense, it can easily kind of get swept under the carpet a little bit. And look, again, it is an ongoing investigation. It doesn't mean that Dean or the other two members of staff have done anything wrong. It just means it's being looked into. So, look, I, I can see why it wasn't officially mentioned but on the other hand if that's Crystal Palace man men and Patrick Vieira is suspended then we'd all know about it yeah increased investment in recent months 15 new signings in the summer staged the Conti Cup final it feels as if you know there's a a big overhaul of the women's setup going on uh, at Palace looking at conditions behind the scenes so is this part of that overhaul look I think when you're a professional team which Crystal Palace pretty much are I think anything of this nature has to obviously be taken so so seriously we've we've talked about you know various things across the world haven't we on this show that that maybe haven't been taken as seriously as they should have been so look it's completely the right move and I think more generally I think Crystal Palace are are one of many clubs that have really got on the women's football bandwagon. I think they're, you know, it was, it was great to, to have the, the Continental Cup final at Selhurst Park. I think we, we saw with the signings that came in in the summer, Steve, Steve Parrish has publicly actually really got behind the idea of the women's team growing it. Clearly he's on the board, so wants to have a, a say in what happens in the future. You know, it, it's another positive sign if you can get because you know we've criticised it before there's there's clubs in the championship that are a Premier League club should they be doing more for their women's teams yes and Crystal Palace have belatedly done that and I think you can't fault them for that and I don't think this should affect that if that makes sense I think it's just something that has come about that they're investigating and you know hopefully fingers crossed we'll get to the bottom of it and, and move on and of course, we'll bring you uh, the bottom of it on Women's Football Weekly. Uh, this is TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others, Molly Hudson and former Spurs goalkeeper Chloe Morgan with me. Coming up, we'll lighten the mood and focus on the Lionesses' legacy after some good news this past week. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder goal! The home for women's football. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Ruthers, former Spurs goalkeeper Chloe Morgan is with me, as is Molly Hudson from The Times. We are available on podcast as well, don't forget. Plenty of places you can download us. First, head to the TalkSport app to find us and you can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. And if you're listening on the podcast, well done. You found it with my clear directions, so thank you. (laughs) If you followed our show throughout the season, you'll know 
true that the lionesses have been pushing the government to introduce a minimum of two hours a week of PE in school and the opportunity for girls and boys to be offered the same sports. Well, on International Women's Day last week, the England women's team got their wish. The success of the summer has inspired so many young girls to pursue their passion for football, is what Liam Williamson, the England captain, said. We see it as our responsibility to open the doors for them and this announcement makes that possible. This all came about, didn't it, from uh, Lotta Wubin-Moy, uh, Arsenal defender, who came up with the idea on the bus to Trafalgar Square for the celebrations after the Euro 2022 victory. Um, it just sums up, doesn't it, Chloe, how the Lionesses have used their platform for good. Massively. I think, um, you know, with the attention uh, of the Lionesses after the Euros and, and the big wins and the matches and how incredible the tournament was just generally and how inspiring it was. And I mean, you know, there were people who weren't even involved in football or playing football or even watching football who turned their attention to the Lionesses for that massive summer. And I think obviously we all needed it. We just come out of the back of the pandemic and I think we just needed something so positive. And, you know, the Lionesses have capitalised on that massive win to, you know, produce some real big social change here. And I think it's, um, it's almost disappointing pointing actually they have to do this they have to this is one of the campaigns they actually had to put their their foot behind because it's like why is it that in this situation you know in 2023 that we're still in a situation where girls in school are being offered things like you know netball and rounders and the boys are still offered you know rugby and cricket i mean you know both girls and boys should be offered exactly the same anyway so um yeah it's disappointing that we're in this position but you know massive credit for the lionesses for raising awareness and you know instilling some massive positive social change as well as just you know casually winning a euros as well well. you know as you do and potentially the world (laughs) cup coming up as well but also molly you know they had to nudge on this they didn't just send the letter in and wait for a response they didn't get the response that well they got the response but they didn't get the action and that's always really important isn't it you can you can get the the PR letter back the yes the government are going to look into this etc etc but you have to actually see action and what they're going to get apparently is more than 600 million pounds worth of funding being delivered over two academic years and that's really really vital they didn't give up on this molly yeah, and I think I, I was lucky, or yeah, we'll say we'll go with lucky to um, be at St George's Park when Liz Truss uh, came to the England camp, met the players, met the squad, had a little um, meeting actually with Lotta and Leah and Baroness Sue Campbell um, to discuss this. So again, that was a little bit of a PR opportunity from the government. Let's be honest, but again. England made sure and the FA made sure they used that as much as they could. And then again, even as recently as a month or so ago, we were there. We we, we certainly understood there had been more nudges required to get this over the line. So I think it was fantastic to see that it has actually got there. And like Chloe said, I think like, how do these women have the time? <laughs> how, like Leah and Lotta are out there playing for Arsenal in about four competitions all over Europe. Doing it for England. Oh, and by the way, just negotiating with the government as well in their spare time. Oh, and they're in their 20s. Oh, my God. It's just <laughs> like, I, I feel like my 43 years have uh, not been spent particularly <laughs> uh, well. Um, but, you know, this is this is so important, Chloe. As, as I mean, you know, I've just given my age away there. Um, I, I don't actually care anymore. Um, but bearing in mind my age, 
this was not available to me in the slightest. And it it wasn't possible. Massively. I mean, likewise for me. I mean, I'm, you know, I'll be open and honest. I'm 33. Um, you know, and back in the day, I mean, we were just offered, you know, rounders or tennis or hockey. And those are all amazing sports in their own right. But, you know, I, for me, I always wanted to be playing football and I didn't have that opportunity. And it used to irk me so much when I used to go into PE and know that I'd be offered this and see the boys then step outside and go and play rugby or go and play sort of what was considered then the more masculine sports. And it, it used to really great. And it sent me a message that actually, you know, I couldn't do those things. And I think now that we're going to see this massive shift, we're going to see girls going into the same sports as boys. And also it's good for the girls and boys to also just be with these sports together so that, you know, the boys can see that girls can do exactly the same kind of things it that they do. It doesn't have to be a gender association. 100%. Mm. And, you're, and you're also getting the positive impact also from boys being able to hopefully access the kind of sports that girls can. I mean, you could have loads of boys who will probably want to play netball or, you know, participate in rounders rather than rugby and, and football. So, so I think it worked both bo- works both ways, but I think this is a massive signal to kind of, you know, say the power that the athletes have in, in using their platforms. I mean, we saw a quite similar thing with Marcus Rashford over the pandemic with what he did with the uh, the school, the, the free school meals, you know, and even just, you know, this week with Gary Lineker sort of speaking up against them, um, you know, some of the things that are going on with the immigration system. And obviously there's a bit of a backlash, but, you know, again, athletes and former athletes rallying around him and using their platforms for, for social good and for social change. So, yeah, it's um, it's a great time, I think, for, for athletes to be to be stepping up and standing up and doing the right thing I think that's a perfect way to end actually I know you had another point Molly but we have to go I'm afraid um, thank you both of you I, I love that we get to end on that I wish we'd have had more time to, to chat about it and a massive round of applause uh, to the Lionesses for putting that letter together in the first place and not giving up on it uh, thank you to Molly Hudson Chloe Morgan Amy Rushke producer Will and of course all of you as ever for listening don't forget if you do miss any of the show live you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app or listen back throughout the week Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.